Next Sunday is going to feel a little bit different because uh, Brother Nathan Covington will be here and he'll be preaching in the morning at a regular time. And then, hey, and no time change next week. That'll be good. And then 6 o'clock on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday nights. I just urge you to just get here as quickly as you can. And uh, Nathan is a man uh, short in stature. And Cheryl and I have said, uh, after we've been with him many times across the years, he is a giant in the spiritual realm. And I think you'll pick up on that. He will pick a passage of Scripture and walk us right through it verse by verse by verse and uh, make it come alive. Pull out the truth that's in there and then make the application. And God, I've seen God anoint him over and over and over again. So uh, we encourage you to just jump in, make those plans, kind of clear the calendar for, for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week if you can and plan to be here. There we go. I want to take a turn this morning as we talk about unshakable hope because you can't go very far into the, the understanding of the hope we have in God and not realize that there is an enemy who would try to steal your hope, your joy, who, who will battle you and you'll have to battle back. My scripture text this morning is from Romans chapter 16. It was a scripture that I don't remember even though I've read the Bible through many times. I didn't remember it until it was put into a song and I learned that song and I haven't been able to get it out of my head. Um, we're gonna end the service with that. I invite you to learn it with us. Be wise, the Apostle Paul said, about what is good and innocent about what is evil. And then this promise, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I wonder, are we spectators of a war? A war where we watch on television real people's homes and lives destroyed. Innocent people are dying. And it's recorded on video and put on our screens. If you've watched television news this week, chances are you have been a spectator of the war in Ukraine. Does it touch your emotions? Does it cause you to respond with an offering for the relief effort, the massive relief effort that's going to be needed? Will it stir you enough to go to the store and buy the items and pack them in a Ziploc bag for a crisis care kit that's going to get to somebody over there in need. What you've seen, does it put you on your knees to pray for our world and pray for leaders and pray for people where there is suffering and death? But did you know there's a war, there was a war going on before any weapons were fired in Ukraine? The Apostle Paul described it in Ephesians 6. Our fight is not against people on the earth, but against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this world's darkness, against the spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly, heavenly, heavenly world. That is why you need to put on God's full armor, that on the day of evil you will be able to stand strong, and when you have finished the whole fight, you will still be standing. So who is this hope destroyer? 
I want you to hear this clearly. You have a real and present enemy to your faith. The devil. He is the hope destroyer. The devil is a divider. That's literally what his name means. Divider, splitter. Maybe you've been part of a church where you saw his work prevail. There was division and they split. He divided Adam and Eve in the garden. And he would like to separate you from God just like he succeeded in their lives. He wants to make, take unbelievers to hell and make life hell for believers. He is the hope destroyer. I remember a sermon years ago I heard on cassette tape, I remember, John Maxwell, who was pastoring Skyline Wesleyan Church in San Diego at the time, where he was preaching about spiritual warfare and specifically about the devil, and he said that there are three devil levels, he called it. I've never been able to forget that. Three devil levels. He said, he said you got the level where people don't believe the devil's real, and then you've got the other side where people believe he's behind every bush and rock. And then you've got the group in the middle, which is probably where we need to land in understanding the devil. He is real. He's not hiding behind every rock, but he will come to you. And I put the statistics here, the Barner Research Group went and asked Christians if they believed in the devil. And four out of ten Christians they surveyed agreed with this statement, the devil is not a living being but is a symbol of evil. Forty percent. Thirty-five percent of Christians said they do believe the devil is real, and that leaves another twenty percent who didn't know. I find that shocking. Because if we have 40% in that first category in our church, he could attack us, he could, he could work to destroy us, and we wouldn't blame him because we don't believe he's real. The devil has to love those numbers. As long as he isn't taken seriously, he can work undercover. He's free to work his evil, and he doesn't get blamed for it. He keeps his name out of it. <laughs> We call it bad luck or pray for me because uh, God's taking me through a very tough time and it could be that the devil is putting you through that tough time, not God. The devil wants to make your life a mess and keep his name off of it. So please hear me clearly. You have a real and present enemy to your faith, the devil. He is the hope destroyer. He is a thief, Jesus said. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Make no mistake that whenever, make no mistake, he said, because Peter said your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And the, the, the challenge is to resist him. Stand firm in the faith. Jesus gave us a... a a reality check about the devil being real. Here's what he said when he was on the earth. I saw 
Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus is God. He cannot lie. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, think about it. When, when you see lightning, when lightning falls, it, it's very brief. It's just a crack. It's just a, a sudden appearance, and it's gone. That's how the devil was cast out of heaven, like lightning. But don't discount his continuing power in the world. It was a heaven-cracking moment when he was booted out of heaven, like lightning it was. But he is the enemy of your God-given destiny, and he wants to destroy your soul. Oh, pastor, we have a lot of hope now. <laughs> Here's where the hope is. Jesus defeated the hope destroyer. Yes, the devil is real, and we play into his hand if we think he is not. But if all you see is evil prevailing and you live uh, with hopelessness, you don't see the whole picture. The devil is a defeated foe. He's defeated. The Bible makes that clear. Colossians 2.15, having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, the forces of evil, triumphing over them by the cross. So be alert to the reality of the devil. He is real, but don't be intimidated by him because Jesus defeated the hope destroyer. Since Jesus told us that he comes as a thief to steal, kill, and destroy, wherever you see stealing, wherever you see death, wherever you see destruction, you know where it's coming from. And you're watching it on your television day by day. Where's it coming from? You can put people's names on it, but you gotta know ultimately where it's coming from. Pray, pray. Since his name means divider, where you see divorce, where you see rejection and isolation, you know who's behind it. You know who's been at work to cause these things to happen. So I'm reading Max Lucado's book, Unshakable Hope, and he has this quote there. Evil will have its day and appear to have the sway, but God will have his say and ultimately win the day. Nobody can say it quite like Max Lucado. <laughs> Jesus' death and resurrection shows us that the devil has been defeated, and he is kept on a short leash until the final judgment when God will throw him into the lake of fire, never to return. If you've ever lived on a farm with outdoor cats, the barn cats, you know, then maybe you've seen something like this. The mama cat goes and chases down a mouse. And then she'll taunt it and tease it and let it run a little and then pounce on it again. And when that mouse is wounded and exhausted, she will get it in her mouth, not kill it, get it in her mouth, bring it back to her kittens and set it right before them. 
And those kittens, they're just wired that when they see that little mouse move, they're going to do something. And their mama's teaching them how to be a mouser. Now, I have never seen this personally, but what they say is in that moment of, uh, of great fear for a mouse, and it's put before the little kittens, and it, it looks at them and sizes them up compared to mama cat and thinks, maybe I can, I can scare them off and I'll be safe. That a mouse will actually get up on its hind legs and put out its claws and bare its teeth and hiss to scare those kittens. But it's already lost the war, and it's not going to make it through the day alive. And those kittens will square off with the mouse, but the hard work of that battle has already been done by Mama Cat. Jesus has already defeated the enemy. He's still playing around in this world. But, so be alert because the devil is there. But don't be intimidated by him because Jesus has defeated the hope destroyer. So we're in a battle. Soldiers know better than to saunter out into a battlefield in shorts and sandals. No, they know they're going to face a deadly enemy and they take care to prepare. Take every weapon you have into the conflict. And the Bible talks about our spiritual weapons. If we go to Ephesians chapter 6, we go back there, we find these verses that explain the parts of the armor. The admonition is to put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can distinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. As we look at unshakable hope. Remember that God's promises assure us of hope. God's word is true. God cannot lie. So what we have here is the truth. Truth with a capital T. His word cannot fail us. Stand on the promises of God about the devil. And here's a few of them. I already referred to Romans 16, 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That's a promise. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That's a promise. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. That's a promise. Resist the devil, James taught, and he will flee from you. Send him running. So in this world, you will battle the hope destroyer the serpent, the thief, the divider, 
the devil, the prince of the power of the air, the evil one, the god of this age, the accuser, the wicked one, whatever name you want to call him. So how do we engage that battle? The Apostle Paul taught it to the Corinthians in his second letter of Scripture. We're human, but we don't wage war with human plans and methods. We use God's mighty weapons, not mere worldly weapons, to knock down the devil's strongholds. Simply put, your weapons are prayer, praise, and Scripture. Prayer, praise, and Scripture. When you pray, you're engaging the power of God to come into the circumstances of life, right where you are, right in what you're doing. And the devil is not going to hang around long if God shows up. When you praise, you put God on the throne, highly exalted. You get the perspective of he is the almighty God. There's no one greater than him. And all of a sudden, the temptations or, or whatever the devil is trying to feed into your life, they shrink in size as you look at God in worship and praise. When you pick up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, it's an offensive weapon. When you declare the truth as Jesus did when he was tempted in the wilderness, it will confront the devil's lies He's a liar. He's the father of lies. He's been a liar since the beginning, the scripture tells us. But we have the truth. The devil will not stay long where prayer or praise or scripture is used as a weapon against him. Several years ago, I read Jack Hayford's book, Worship His Majesty. Um, some of you may remember um, his pastoral leadership out in California. He led a great church there. And um, he wrote that worship chorus that from the 80s called, worship, called Majesty, Worship His Majesty Unto Jesus Be All Glory, Power and Praise. And he wrote a book called Worship His Majesty that was about his journey in learning how to worship God. And I will never forget a story. I have the book somewhere on my shelf. But the story of a, of a church in London, a strong church, that had been infiltrated by a coven of witches who would show up at the service times and sit throughout the congregation and pray to the devil to come in and disrupt things and not allow God to move freely in that place. And Jack Hayford says there was a, a day when it was especially heavy and it was time for the pastor to get up and preach. And he felt that heaviness, and he wasn't going to try to open God's word when there was so much spiritual opposition. There was a war going on in that room in the spiritual realm. And he said, we're, we're not ready for the word yet, but we're going to stand, and I want you to praise the Lord. I think they sang some songs, and, and then they just began to lift shouts of praise in the house of God, and the, and the record of that story is that those witches got up with their hands over their ears and ran out of that building. You have weapons, prayer, praise, and scripture. Use them. Well, I like to watch sports, and some of the 
best sports games are on Sundays, and that's my busiest day of the week. Long ago, I realized that a VCR was my friend, and then I moved to a DVD recorder, and now I have a DVR that helps me so I can go back at another time and watch those. Just don't tell me who won. Just don't tell me what the score was before I get to watch it. And sometimes it's been like two weeks, and so there's people who know I'm a Broncos fan, and, and maybe they come next Sunday to church, and I didn't even get to watch last Sunday's, that Sunday, and they say, boy, weren't those Broncos great last week? Or, boy, the Broncos sure messed themselves up with all those fumbles. Hmm. Oh. Wasn't that amazing that they won by 21 points? Oh. Cheryl's had to step in sometimes and say, Fred hadn't watched that yet. <laughs> in my family, growing up, and when my older siblings went off to college, Sunday night just became the default time to call home. So after I left home, I, I, I just picked up on that and would call home on Sunday nights. Back when Tiger Woods was playing his best golf, was when my mother was still living and, and she knew I liked golf. And so I'd call her on Sunday night and she might say, oh, Fred, I stayed up and I watched the golf this afternoon, which meant she didn't take a nap. She was so interested in the golf. Tiger did so well. Did you see that? Or another Sunday she would say, wow, Tiger just wasn't himself. He, he just, he lost that on that last hole. Oh, mom. So eventually got to where she would say to me, did you, did you watch the golf tournament today? And I would say, no. <laughs> and she'd say, oh, then I'm not going to tell you, but I think you're going to like it. <laughs> oh. If I knew the outcome before I watched the game, it took away the suspense. It took away me wanting to jump off the couch and cheer loudly like it was happening in real time while I'm watching it on tape delay. But, but if I already know the outcome, I sit back, relax, and I just watch it unfold. There's been some games that I heard the score to and I just didn't watch because it wasn't my team that won. And I just didn't want to put myself through that. But if I knew they won, then I probably still wanted to see it. But I didn't have to have my emotions invested in that because I knew how it ended. If my team was behind with five minutes left and somebody had told me that they won, I wasn't stressing out. I knew that in the last five minutes they were going to have this great comeback. The victory was certain. So is yours. Between now and the final trumpet, there's going to be tough times. There's going to be upsetting things. There's going to be situations that probably drive you to your knees asking God for help. And there's going to be places that the devil seems to gain the upper hand sometimes. And all, that good, all that's good will appear to be losing. But you do not need to worry because we know how it all turns out. We know how it ends. But until then, it's a battle. Don't sit on the sidelines and watch this war as a spectator or you will be a casualty. You have to fight. But you can maintain hope in the battle because it is a battle that Jesus 
has already won. Well, I want to send us out of here with the truth of Romans 16, 19, and 20. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. We're going to do something. I don't know if we'll ever do something like this again. And we're going to ask you to be adventurous with us in doing it. I'm calling it the Romans 16, 19 wrap. If the Spirit of the Lord should so, so lead you, there's open spaces to spin, break dance. No. It would have to be the Spirit of the Lord, right? Okay. So we're going to invite you to stand and try this with us. You don't have to be able to sing a note. All you're going to do is say words. And I think we're taking this out of the King James Version. That's how they wrote it. And we're going to invite you to learn it with us. will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Yes, God will crush him underneath your feet. Come on, Romans 16, 19 says, Romans 16, 19 says, be excellent at what is good. Be innocent of evil. Be excellent at what is good. Be innocent of evil. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Yes, God will crush him underneath your feet. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Yes, God will crush him underneath your feet. One more time. Romans 16, 19 says. Romans 16, 19 says. Be excellent at what is good. Be innocent of evil. Be excellent at what is good. Be innocent of evil. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Yes, God will crush him underneath your feet. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Yes, God will crush him underneath your feet. Lord, we receive the promise of your word. We go to live in hope, knowing that our foe has been defeated. The destroyer has been defeated. The hope destroyer. Lord, now cause us to remember the truth and to live by it. Help us, Lord, to go with the weapons of our warfare, a spiritual weapons in a spiritual war. I pray you'll help us to live in victory this week and you'll bring us back anticipating what you would do in revival services. It's all for you. It's all for your glory. We go to serve you in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.